Hey, everybody. Hope you are doing well. Wednesdays mean Jerry Reynolds, and he's coming up in just one moment. And we've got a lot of NBA basketball to talk about with Jerry. How are you today, Mr. Reynolds? Very good, thank you. Very good. Yeah. A little warm day here in Roseville, but got my walk in early. You know, you can't, uh, you know, they can't, my strategy just takes over. <laughs> Your what takes over? Strategy, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. Oh, man. What'd you think of the game last night, Jerry? Great game, great game. I mean, it's a, just a perfect game by Denver in that first half. And then uh, Lakers really did. Darvin Ham is a, a great coach, great young coach. I mean, made some nice adjustments there, made it tough. You know, and the Lakers, you know, they had a chance to, to tie there with a LeBron three there late. So if you're Denver, you're happy you got the win. If you're Lakers, you're pretty happy because you know you can win. Yeah. You know, there you don't get style points. You either win or you lose in the playoffs, and each game seems to be different from the previous game. So, what do you, I mean, as a coach, as a player, as somebody on the Lakers? I mean, what what do you take? You lost the game, but do you take all of that in the game too? Do you feel more confident going in the game too? How do you how do you look at that, Chair? Well, I think you, there's reason to for the Lakers to take game two, look into it confidently because they made some nice adjustments at the half, and, and certainly the Lakers were by far the better team in the second half. Uh, you know, I think Hachimura playing uh, playing uh, the Joker really worked because then, uh, then Anthony Davis could just kind of float around, you know, something that uh, Jeff Van Gundy was talking about in the first half that uh, they just had to do something different. And, and, and really that did seem to work uh, quite well. And then defensively, you know, that made the Lakers a lot better. And, and really the, I thought the Denver had to work awful hard for their points in the second half. You talk about the Joker. I mean, he's unbelievable, isn't he? I mean, I just, he, he just makes the game look so easy, Jerry. Yeah. He's uh he's kind of one of one. I mean, you think of all the great centers down through the years, I, there's just nothing quite like him. There's, a, you know, I mean, a, certainly a Sabonis and Walton and and Blotty guys like that could pass as well or close to as well, but none could uh, anywhere near the complete game that he has. You know, with the uh, ability to shoot the three and and all that. I've always said honestly, he, he remind honestly he reminds me of a a. a a seven foot, 280 pound version of Larry Bird. You know, he's a center that played like Bird used to play uh, small forward. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just he has a complete skill set. You know, there's no, you know, and his stamina, his running ability is very underrated, as we've seen. And, and certainly uh, competitive spirit. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, for all those people saying he shouldn't have won a third MVP, well, Maybe he should have. Yep. C-Dog called my uh, show on Listen App yesterday, and he thought the real key uh, that the Nuggets needed Murray to play very well in this series, and he was spot on. He was very, very good last night. 
Yeah, he was terrific, and they wouldn't have won without. Uh, of course, they had some really good performances. I thought Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope was terrific. They, uh, you know, and and they don't win that game without all those guys playing no. well. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. So I think that's going to be a a challenge. I mean, I think the the Lakers have gotten better as they're going, and obviously when you've got two guys like Davis and and LeBron. Uh, you, you're these Nuggets are going to have to really play at their best, and I I think they're being the home team is why I still give them the edge, because playing playing at home in Denver is better than playing at home just about anywhere else. Very true, very true. Do you have any issues with the final few possessions of the Lakers, particularly that three by LeBron? Yeah, I thought he uh, he really settled. You know, I mean, I think it's it's something that. Uh, he certainly had the ability, I thought, to 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 get in inside and draw and kick. You know, certainly Austin Reeves was making shots and and uh, so. But you know, I mean, LeBron generally makes the right play. I'm, I'm not convinced that was. All right, you were you okay with the way the game was officiated? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's typical. I mean, they missed missed some. Uh, you know, the, the game is so physical that they're guessing a little bit, but. Uh, you know, I, I think the right team won the ball game, I guess. So so in that case, uh, you know, with Zach Zarb as your lead official, you're not going to get a better official. No. Uh, there is no better not. official in, in not just the NBA, but anywhere as far as I know. So uh don't know what else, how else you could improve it much. And you're saying that because he's a diehard New York Giants fan, right? That's exactly right. I, I feel like anybody that's a Giants fan, you know, I mean, he's got to be good at what he does. Jerry, Jerry, with, used to with hate. some exceptions, I might add, but uh, yeah. you know, Jerry and I, whenever we were on the floor and Zach Zarber was officiating, and he would come over to me, and oh. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry would yeah, have I'd, to listen to our conversation. Hey, I'd get to say hi, and then these two <laughs> clowns would talk it, uh, New York Giants football for ten minutes. You know, <laughs> I was trying to want to talk about the the basketball game. They're talking Giants football, man. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, when you look at that series, and again, it's only one game, but based on what you saw, though, would you be surprised if this series doesn't go seven? I'd be surprised if it doesn't go seven. Absolutely. I think it'll take uh, Denver winning all their home games. Uh, you know, I, I, I think they can. and uh, But, uh, you know, and I think they're more capable of beating uh, the Lakers in L.A. than the Lakers are in Denver, but we'll see. But I, I think having the home court advantage is likely to be the real difference. All right, let's talk about Miami and Boston with game one. How much of a chance do you give the Heat to beat the Celtics? Not much. Uh, you know, the the only reason I give them any chance is just Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. Yeah. You know, they're they're really outliers. I think is probably the best coach in the league. And, uh, and Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Butler is just a great playoff player. Pretty average regular season player, mm -hmm. but an absolutely great playoff player. And, uh, what, you know, when you talk about guys raising their, their game, he is the perfect example. But uh, uh, otherwise, but I don't think they match up when, you know, the two best players on Boston are, are in my mind, significantly better than the two best on Miami. And uh, now the coaching edge but you you know with Miami they're just not very talented I mean it's, it's just remarkable how they've got here to to be truthful you know without you know other than Bam Adebayo and and Jimmy 
uh, you know, none of those guys, those probably no other team in the league would even play much. Anybody come to mind off the top of your head, like a Jimmy Butler, who you just characterized regular season. And then when the postseason starts is just on a different planet. Well, I always thought Kawhi Leonard was, I mean, mm -hmm. he was awfully good. You know, now he does now that he doesn't play much, yeah. but he was a guy that was always a, one of the better uh, all-star level player that became the best player in the league almost. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, through the history of the game, I think you've seen that uh, usually it's a, uh, you know, you find a secondary guy. I mean, you know, the guy we we both disliked to some degree, not because of personally, but to Robert Ory. Yeah. Was a guy who who always became a better player in the playoffs than he always. was in the regular season. That's why they nicknamed him Big Shot Bob. Big Shot Bob. I mean, you think about what he did in Houston, what he did with the Lake. I mean, think about the number of rings that guy has. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lakers, Houston, San Antonio. I San think. Antonio, uh, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he was never the best player on any of those teams. In fact, he's, he's about the fifth or sixth best. But it's still, it's, it, it's remarkable that a player can fit in that well. You know, same thing could you could be said for Dennis Rodman. You know, he basically a seventh or eighth man in Detroit, but a key seventh or eighth, and then, of course, a a, a real key in the in the Bulls three Bulls championships. So there are guys like you say. There's guys that will shrink, and then there's guys that will puff up and get better in those yeah. situations. And uh, we've talked about some that that just simply get better. You know, Garrison's got a very good point about the Boston. They've been saying that, uh, or excuse me, about Miami. They've been saying that about the Heat throughout the playoffs, not giving them much of a chance. And here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals. So he's spot on about that. You're correct. Yeah, I, you know, I, I said I watched Atlanta beat them in the in the play-in. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, you know, the Heat were done then. Yeah. And then yep. they come back and here they are. And I think that is a credit to, you know, Spolster and Pat Riley. I mean, the competitive spirit, they're, you know, the Miami Heat way. I mean, there's legitimately something to that. And uh, just another example here. Yep. Jerry, when we spoke last week, we were talking about Philadelphia. And you thought that there was a good chance that if the Sixers blew this series, that Doc would not be back. Well, the news is out that Doc obviously has been uh, terminated. So I know you're not surprised, correct? No. Uh -uh. I mean... I think Doc's an awfully good coach, but I, I do think there's a point where, you know, basically the Philly didn't come up big when they should have for the last several years or could have. I don't want to say should have necessarily, yep. but uh, and so, you know, that's the way it is in, in the uh, professional sports now. It's, uh, you know, you got to kind of win the big one. And even guys that have won the big one, the Nick Nurses and Budenholzer and Vol Frank Vogel, they all won championships and within a couple of years they're gone. Two years. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I thought it's kind of easy to predict, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, Doc, of course, I, I've said, I, I've said this on the old fashioned three the other day. I said that we do, uh, that, you know, I, it could be a win win for basketball fans because hopefully Doc will go back to national TV, which he was terrific. He was great. Eh? And, and, and maybe Mark Jackson will get that job and get him off TV. So, <laughs> so I think that would just be fabulous personally. That would be a good trade, wouldn't it? That would it be a really good be a trade. Win -win, no question. Yeah. 
and then Monty Williams, you know, out as head yeah, coach I, of the I Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I was surprised Suns. a little, but boy, those two, you know, the way they ended the last two seasons. Yeah. I mean, when Dallas just embarrassed them, you know, in a game seven and and not just beat them, but just totally embarrassed them. And then really the Nuggets did almost the same thing. Uh, and a new owner, you mm-hmm. know, a new owner's eventually always going to want to get their guys. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, Monty is a terrific coach and he'll resurface, but uh, sometimes, uh, and sometimes players uh, get tired of the same voice yep. and you can't fire the players. So that's the way it is. I mean, the big money committed to top players, uh, you know, really owners have no choice in some cases. Then you get morons and the former Steven, or former NBA player Stephen Jackson who brings racism into the firing of Monty Williams. You know, I, I just don't understand how an individual like that is able to gain employment being a member of the media. It's hard to believe. It really is. It really is, especially, you know, it's like, I, I, was it racism with Nick Nurse getting fired or, or Mike Budenholzer? Uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you play that race card, you, you really, it just it takes away from any reality. It really does. It is very sad to say the least. All right. Do you think yesterday's results of the NBA draft lottery changes Greg Popovich's mind about his future? Absolutely. I, if I'm, if I'm pop, I'm thinking he's probably thinking if they didn't get Wimbanyan, it might be a time to ride off in the sunset. And I think it would have been. But, uh, you know, with, with Victor Wimbanyana, I do think he's a franchise-changing uh, player. You know, uh, just health is the only issue with yep. him. If he stays healthy, I think he improves them 15 games. And, and only the greats through the years have been able to do that. You can count them on one hand or so. And uh, so they, if you're the Kings and Kings fans like uh, I am, uh, that it's a real That's concern because – that's one more team that's going that's to be in, in the playoff hunt that wasn't last year. All right. You just used the term franchise changing. Do you put him in the same category since we're talking about the Spurs now as the impact that David Robinson had when he went number one and the impact that Tim Duncan had when he went number one with the Spurs? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I, I think when there's guys I, I put in that category, those two guys, uh, you know, obviously uh, LeBron James, uh, Larry Bird, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, but it's a small group that you look at where the team was before they got them and how much they improved. Most rookies have very little impact, even really good players. Uh, you know, maybe a few games. Paolo Benchero, you know, I mean, uh, he, he was terrific, and they improved six or eight games or something like that. And that and that's unusual that much. Uh but uh, so, so yeah, I, I do. I, I really think he is at what, what little I've seen of, and I've seen uh, quite a bit or tried to, and I've never seen anything like quite like him. I mean, really. Seriously? You know, yeah, yeah. So you, he's that unique? Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a seven foot three legitimate guy, if not taller, that plays like a small forward and certainly can block shots like uh, better than Anthony Davis. So, you know, it's, it's like we were just talking about Jokic being one of one. This is another one of one that, uh, uh, you know, he, he, it, he doesn't remind me of anybody other than, you know, when Ralph Sampson was healthy back in his Houston days, he was so unique at his size because he could play on the perimeter and do things. But Ralph could never do anything near like what this kid can do right now. 
And that was especially, especially when Ralph played for you. Well, that wasn't the same same Ralph, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, it was just, we just got a crippled version and a terrific guy. I mean, I like just, Ralph. I, you know, I oh, I thought the world of him. I, mean, I enjoyed. I, he he had a very wry sense of humor. You know, I think you would agree with this. Ralph was one of those individuals that came across as he didn't like anybody. But once you got into his little circle, he would treat you like family. And he was just, he was great to talk to. I really enjoyed my time being around Ralph Sampson. I did too. You know and I mean? I, I felt, I really felt sorry for him because he worked his butt off to try to get back, but you know, the didn't have any legs. Right. And uh, you can't play basketball without legs. And uh, I mean, they both his knees were just totally damaged and, I mean, the guy, I've never seen a guy work any harder yeah. to try to get back. And he had a lot of pride. And no, uh, no, one of the best, you know, really good guy, as you pointed out, took you a little while to get to know him. But once he trusted you, and I understand that it's kind of like a, a guy that's been a college player of the year and a big star. So many people come at him from different directions. You know, it, you have to kind of protect yourself. You know, there were so many players in that era. Of course, Jim Peterson was a part of that deal, and he had terrible knees, too. And unfortunately, the medical technology, when they were going through all of those knee issues, is nowhere near what it is now. You know, if those players were in the NBA now, they would have their careers extended by years just because of the medical technology involved with knee surgeries. Oh, absolutely. And and their size would have made it easier for them, too, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to a small guard that loses a little bit of speed. Uh, but a big guy, certainly like Ralph, I, I always say, you know, I'll go back uh, or with Jeff Petrie, you know, when he was a player, I mean, he was a hall of fame level player uh -huh. that uh, basically the things that on his body could have been repaired in today's time easily. And, and he'd had a career, but they just couldn't do it then. You know, I still do not understand why you retired when I look at what Al McCoy just accomplished. I mean, he went all the way until he was 90, Jerry, and he signed off last week. And you and I know Al very well. And he was one of the highlights of going to Phoenix just to be able to sit down and talk with the great Al McCoy. You have any good stories about him? Not really, other than just like what you said. I mean, just really one of the guys on the road you look forward to spend a little time with. You know, uh -huh. I mean, he, he absolutely was a you know, first time you'd meet him or see him, you know, a, automatically a smile came up, you know, I mean, he was just a, such a likable guy and loved what he did and it showed, and he was really good at it. Uh, certainly one of the best to ever do it. And uh, yeah, and I think that's why he kept doing it. And, you know, it's sad how they, they treat the radio people now, you know, Terrible. Gary Gerald, of course, goes through it with the Kings uh, and all radio people do to where they used to be on the, floor or close to it and now they're stuck up in the corners and, and almost impossible to see the game and you know we were starting to get stuck up there a few times and, and more and more places and it really takes away from the fun of the game and that's that was yeah. one of the things that you know was the travel and that sort of thing I really said yeah you know the you know I need to move on well Al told me I talked about this on my podcast on uh, yesterday by the way that Al told me the last time I was with him in Phoenix that he had stopped going on some trips, particularly to the East Coast, because a lot of the arenas like Madison Square Garden and others that put him up so high, he said, I can't announce the game. 
He goes, I can't see the floor. And if I can't see the floor, how am I supposed to do my job? It's not fair. And it really bothered Al. Al was really bothered uh, by that. I mean, it really hurt him that he was not able to do the games uh, in certain venues on the road because of the location and the fact that his eyesight, you know, and being again, think about this. He just retired at age 90, 90. I mean, it's remarkable what he did. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we'll ever see that again. I mean, no. but like you point out, I mean, he was so good at his job. He loved it. And it's too bad that, uh, you know, he wasn't able to do it at, at, you know, at the best, highest level because you just can't up there. And I know, you know, certainly an all-time great as well, Gary Gerald, is going through the same things. And, uh, you know, I know for myself, just selfishly, the games, the five or six places that we were stuck up there, it, it it affected me because you can't tell the the quickness of the players and the physicality of it. And I always thought that was something being on the floor. I could pretty well tell what matchups might work and wouldn't uh, might not work pretty quick. Uh, but being so far away, I just didn't have the same feel. And that I found that uh, kind of depressing. Well, you know, my biggest concern in those locations was when we would do the open live on the floor and had to go up to Washington or our location in Philadelphia, I was just kind of worried whether you were going to make it or not, Jerry, I got to be honest. That's what was going through my mind. <laughs> I'll tell you what's going through my mind. It's like, I don't know if I'm even going to do this. I might just not even <laughs> climb these stairs to hell with it. Just go get on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> get on the bus. Jack. <laughs> what, what is it? Oh my gosh. Uh, what do you think about the – somebody asked this question. you think Dave Yeager will ever get another opportunity to be a head coach? I don't know. You know, he should. Uh, you know, I, I that that's what's tough once a guy's been let go a couple of places. And uh, certainly he's – I think he's done good jobs both places, but there's so few jobs and so many coaches – looking for jobs. I mean, you mm -hmm. just look at, say, Frank Vogel, who won a championship, hasn't been rehired. Terry Stotts had tremendous success. He hasn't been rehired. Uh, that surprises me about Stotts. If I, if I owned a team or a GM, I would definitely I, – I would I would love to have Terry Stotts as my coach. I don't quite understand that one. I, I've never understood it, and and I think it, the Portland fans ought to, by now ought to be wondering exactly yeah. what we did here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Phoenix, Philadelphia, I mean, they're attractive jobs. That's for sure. I mean, they're, they're attractive jobs. And it's going to be very interesting uh, to see the direction. The other aspect that hurts someone like Dave Yeager has been the recent trend of teams hiring former players with limited experience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it, it, well, the thing about hiring an NBA. It really just comes down to the owner. You know, there's not a committee involved and and somebody that the owner's kind of interested in. Very uh, true. And and it's like I say it's different. Uh, it's probably, you know, there's more more steps you have to, to walk through, I know, to become a, a head high school coach in Indiana than there is in the NBA because yep. there's a whole lot of people involved in the hiring process or or in most colleges. But uh, in the NBA really it's it's one guy. And uh, and often they're they're not the best people to be making those decisions. But uh, yeah, I I mean he may he probably will have to continue to resurface. But uh, you know it's like the, like you say uh, Philly and Phoenix certainly are uh, very attractive uh, 
jobs. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I would think in my mind, I would think Nick Nurse would be a top candidate. I would think so. Either one of them, yeah. in my opinion, he's, you know, I think he's fairly close to their expulsor level. All right. So you and I, we both know Kevin Ollie from his time in Sacramento. Do you think he would make a good NBA coach? I think, I think so. Uh, you know, he had success in college. Uh, then he, you know, then he didn't, but, but he's been in charge of a top program. So, you know, that along with his experience as a player and assistant co coach at the NBA level, I, I think prepares him pretty well. And, uh, you know, certainly depends on the team, as you know, if you have stars, uh, you have a chance yep. to win. Yep. If you don't, you, you won't. Yep. All right. Speaking of stars, Bennett's uh, is in that category. They're phenomenal. They're coming to Rockland soon. Of course, Roseville on Eureka and Lead Hill Road, Sacramento at uh, what was formerly Banderas, Howe and Fair Oaks. Don't forget about their weekend brunch, their weekend prime rib, and their incredible prime seafood and steaks. Over 50 different types of wine available by the glass for more information to look at the menu get food to go everything else bennett's restaurants.com that's bennett's restaurants.com you think this series tonight boston miami it's so you think it's going to be a quick series you think it goes five i think it goes six six uh, okay but i kind of got boston in six i i think you know i just think they're the better team but then again i thought pretty much everybody that Miami played was better. So, uh, you know, I, they're, they're hard to, you know, Miami, whatever, whatever they've got, they're going to give it to you. Yeah. You know, what concerns me about Boston, they have been very Jekyll and Hyde in the first two rounds. And, you know, that's very difficult to do in the conference finals and get away with that. That That's why I'm a little leery on them. I mean, I'm, I know who the real Boston is. When they're playing well, Jerry, I think they're the best team in the league. I mean, I really believe that. I think when they're playing to their A game, I think they really would win a championship. But there are too many bad games they've had in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they, they, that has surprised me. I agree. I, I On both fronts, I, I think at their best, they're the best team, period. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes the, the support – you know, the support players really don't rise up like they should. They really count on Tatum and Brown maybe too much. Mm -hmm. You know, not that Tatum and is not great and Brown's near great, uh, but, uh, you know, at some point you just need, you know, you need better performances from some of the support players. And and, and there's games when, when they, you know, they just don't get it. I didn't watch the NBA draft lottery, but I'm surprised they were able to pull that off without seeing Sacramento there. I mean, the Kings have been a fixture at the NBA draft lottery. You've been both behind the scenes and on the podium. Have you not representing the Kings at the lottery? I've been on the podium. I really wasn't behind oh. the scenes. I, my wife was one year. And uh, so I, I was interested in that part of it because on the, on the podium, you really have nothing to do but sit there. Right. Uh, but I was, I was thinking, you know, with Wimbanyana, I was almost surprised that, uh, you know, that that somehow or another the Lakers or somebody didn't come up with him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting experience, and and I I think the league does as good with that as they can, especially now, uh -huh. where the, you know, all the tankers and stuff uh, being the worst team doesn't doesn't really always help you as Houston found out or, or Detroit found out they had the worst record, you end up fifth. 
Yeah. And and that's uh, to me, it they've done about as good a job the league has as as kind of taking away the value of tanking as they can. Boy, you're thinking about Detroit and their fans. I mean, you you know what they're going through. The Kings fans know what that feeling's like. Yeah, and I I don't you know they've had uh, you know obviously a first number one pick and then a Jaden Ivey a number five pick and then they're going to get another five pick. They've had a Killian Hayes was a five pick. They've got a, a roster full of lottery guys and uh, worst team in the league. Uh, so that's so we'll see and they'll get a another lottery guy. I'm sure. At some point, they'd like to probably trade the pick and see if they can't get a, a veteran that, that's proven something. All right. A lot of questions uh, about this individual, and that would be uh, Sasha Vesnikov. I have not seen him play, but I reached out to two scouts in Europe uh, this week, and uh, they both said he will be okay, but nothing special. That was their take on him. I haven't seen him play. Have you seen him play, Jerry? Yeah, a little bit. Uh but I couldn't make a judgment on that. I'm like you. I've talked to a couple of people I really trust that uh, have seen him and uh, quite a bit. And they say pretty much the same thing. They think, you know, a guy can shoot, he's skilled, but would be surprised if he's more than a, a role player, a, a right. good role player. But Which uh, is fine. Which is fine. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I right. think he's an asset. That's what I was, my feeling is, yeah, if he, if he's a top eight guy, then you've added an asset to your roster and maybe if he's more than that, then that's a that's really a plus. I think the problem for the Kings, and just my opinion, is he doesn't fit what they really need. You know, he he can help, but what they need is another legitimate power guy. And and there's no end. He's more of a small forward type guy, even though in Europe he'd play maybe power, but he's athleticism and size. No way he's playing that in the that NBA. Way. You no. know, more of a maybe a little more versatile version of. Uh, uh, Trey Lyles. Yeah. Uh, the Kings do have the rights to him. So, Sea Dog, it's just a matter of working out the financial terms to get him over. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But I think here, here's what I think I think that fans who don't know much about the European League have Luca in their mind all the time. Luca, Luca, Luca. This guy's not Luca, okay? And I keep seeing that pop up on social media stuff. This is not Luka Doncic we're talking about. This is not even Bogdan Bogdanovich, okay? We're, be careful here, all right? Don't don't overhype this guy just because he's coming from Europe. Yeah, I mean, he's a, you know, I, I think he's proven to be a good player. Obviously, had good stats there, was on, on all European teams. Uh, but But, I mean, there's... You know, Luca was was you know he's a one in a generation player over there. I mean, right. Uh, so, no, I I think he's a guy that you could probably see being a starter at some point. Uh, you know, like a, a maybe a little bigger version or about the same size or a little bigger version of the uh, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich, not our Bogey. Yes. Uh, yes. He more, he more in that line than anything. Not quite. You know, he certainly hadn't developed quite the, the shooting ability yet, but could. Have you seen uh, Keegan's brother Chris play at Iowa at all? Yeah, I've watched him a lot. I really enjoy watching him because he has a pretty much the same demeanor and all. And uh, he's left-handed, uh, looks just like Keegan. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think he's a first-round pick. I think it's probably more of a late pick. He, he, he didn't have quite the... You know, he's old, well, not a year older in college, played one more year in college and didn't have quite the year that Keegan had as a sophomore while he's a junior. So, but, uh, 
you know, he should be on the board when the Kings selected 24. Yeah, I agree. I I think that's somebody, if I'm the the Kings, I'd I'd have to think hard about. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's like anything. If you think there's somebody there that fits a need better or better, you take them. But uh, just track record with Keegan would make you feel pretty comfortable with the guy. But I also say that it would make a lot of teams more comfortable with, with Chris Murray. It's a great point. I mean, when you see the situation going on in Memphis and John Morant and some other players, I always look at red flags. We've always talked about that. And uh, the character to me, yeah, you win with talent, but if you have talent, but you don't have all the other intangibles, you're not going to win. If you have a lot of talent and like John Morant's one of the most talented players in the league. Well, and again, I know John Morant is, uh, in aberration, what I mean is there aren't a lot of players that are getting in trouble in the NBA like John Morant. But the point is, I think you look at all aspects, Jerry. You know this. You went through the draft process. You look at everything when you draft a player. Yeah, that's a you know a huge part of it, guys, because you've got to know if a guy is likely to, you know, be a problem, uncoachable, this, that, and the other. And uh, I always think of, you know, looking back at Gilbert Arenas, who should have been a Hall of Fame player, but you know, got into that kind of yep. wanting to be a gangster kind of thing. Yep. And then, uh, you know, Jarvis Crittenden on that same team uh-huh. in prison. Yeah. And uh, no, it's uh, it's kind of one of those things you've got to, you know, take care of it. It does seem to me like uh, Ja wants to kind of, uh, you know, play the I want to be a gangster role. And, and there's no place for that in the NBA. Nope, there sure isn't. Well, Jerry, it's uh Really good talking to you. Just so you know, I'm hoping that on Friday and Sunday you watch some of that uh, Vegas-Dallas, you know, Western Conference Finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs so we can chat about that a little bit next week. Well, I I will be focused on the PGA primarily as well as NBA playoffs. So uh, so I'm going to have to disappoint you on that. But then I'll know just as much about hockey next week as I do right now. PGA is good, Jerry. I'm okay with that. That's good. Okay, thank you. Yes, sir. I'm excited. I'll be right there in front of the TV early in the morning. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you next week, Jerry. Talk to you next week. See you, Grant. All right. Good stuff right there. He's a beauty, isn't he? Also, want to tell you uh, about New Works Plumbing of Sacramento, locally owned for over 20 years. New Works has a fix for you. Just go to sacserviceplumbing.com or call the number on your screen. All right. New Works Plumbing. They've got a fix for you. Don't forget, listen app. My open forum Wednesday is coming up in 30 minutes. Hope you can join me over there. Have a fabulous day, everybody. And thank you so much for joining us right here on If You Don't Like That.